0: Hello and welcome to the River and Panhandle's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you are tuning in for this week's message. Before we get started, there are a few things that we would love for you to do. Share it, subscribe, and rate the podcast. So the message is about to begin. We hope that you are encouraged and that you always remember no role is insignificant. Every life matters, and go out and make a difference. Romans
1: 12. Romans 12, if you want to turn there, and this is a familiar passage to many of you, and we're starting a, sort of a three-week, a short little series. I want to walk through some of the things that we do and experience and encounter as a part of the river, but not only the small C, the lowercase C church, but also the global church, right? And I don't know what your background is, but that's what the word Catholic means. Did you know that? It is global, a universal church, a big C church, Catholic meaning all of us as the body of Christ, not just the river, but all of us. We are the church. We are the bride of Jesus Christ. And we don't just get to come here and taste and experience and encounter this. We have a responsibility as the children of God, as his bride. We have a responsibility that is not just a duty. It's not just something we do because we have to do. It is a great privilege. We get to be a part of the body of Christ. And here's what he's called us to. Romans 12. You're familiar with a lot of this passage. I appeal to you, verse one, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Now let's pause there for a minute. Do you hear what is happening in this? We are hearing this word, this message from the apostle Paul that says, I appeal to you under the banner, under the truth, of God, under the mercies of God, because you were not necessarily worthy to do this, but Jesus made you worthy by his mercy and his grace to present your body as a living sacrifice. We come into this room, we gather together, we come online to be a part of the worship of God, and we are not ready. We're just not. You may have prayed on your way here and said, God, help me. You know, I want to have a good attitude when I get there. Awesome. That is good. You're still not ready. Why? Because we are not holy and because we do things that are unacceptable to the presence of God. It's just in us. It's part of who we are. It's our natural self to be unholy and to be unacceptable. But because of the mercy of God, who, when God the Father looks at you, you've heard me say this, I think, before. When God the Father looks at his children, Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, he does not see your shame. He does not see your guilt. He does not see your your insecurities. He does not see your sin. He does not see the things you have not confessed. When God the Father looks at you as a child of God, he sees Jesus. Come on. And it's Jesus who makes us holy and acceptable to God. So when we come into a worship encounter, a moment of worship with others in the presence of God, it's not what you bring to the table. It's what Jesus has brought to the table. Therefore, we are able on any level to worship him in spiritual worship, holy and acceptable, covered by the mercy and the grace of God that's why we're here so quick side note and there's going to be a few of these but when you start complaining about the song choices or the worship or the style or the loudness or the place where we do it you've already made it about yourself and not about Jesus unholy unacceptable you with me? No, we're family. So I can do this. And it's because I love you. And it's because I want the very best for you to experience God in spiritual worship, holy and acceptable that I say those things. This has nothing to do with you and everything to do with the giver of grace, the Lamb of God, who laid his life down for you to make it possible for you even to be in the presence of God. Amen? Amen. (laughs) Come on. So verse two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by, what? Testing. By testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, and what is acceptable, and what is perfect. And we've shared a little bit about our journey, and you guys have prayed for us, and I want to tell you why this is so important in this moment for us, I want to tell you a little bit of the details that we haven't shared about our journey. You've heard me say February was hard. You've heard me say we lost this or we lost that. You've heard others say that we lost a few things. And even last week, I reminded you that we know, we are confident in the fact that we are not alone that you are hurting, that you have cancer, that you have money problems, that your marriage is falling apart, that you have lost children, that you have children wandering straying far from God, and that your hearts are broken. We are not alone. We got so excited about adopting this baby. You heard me stand up here and say, yes, we're going, we're gonna go get him and bring him back and I can't wait for you to meet him. We drove 15 hours overnight to South Carolina to pick up this baby boy. We got there at two o'clock in the morning because she was starting to really go into some uh, readiness to have a baby. Ashley goes in the room with her for four hours as she pushes. We hardly know this person, but Ashley is there spurring her on. In the meantime, I'm outside waiting. I'm in a Little room just waiting and praying. That little baby is born. Highest of highs. He's here. We're so excited. And immediately they rush him to NICU because he was very, very sick. Had to be intubated. (coughs) Excuse me. Had to be intubated. They take him to NICU, and we are not the parents. And we don't know what our rights are. And nobody's talking to us. (laughs) We literally just sit outside that NICU, just praying and waiting and hoping. They wheel him out of NICU and take him to another hospital. And we're like, can we go with him? What do we do? What do we do? They take him to a hospital in another city and we don't know. And a few hours later, We get called um, by our attorney and they say they're changing their minds about the adoption, which we knew was a possibility. But in that moment, everything starts to shift, right? The joy goes to this, wait a minute, God, what are you doing, right? And then just a short time later, We get called into her delivery room, both of us. We go in there, and the NICU doctor at the other hospital is on the phone with us and says, There's nothing more we can do for him. He's not going to make it. Flood. So, in less than an hour's time, we experienced two deaths. The death of our dream and the death of that little boy. So now what do we do? Well, We're together. So we get in the car, we just drive as far as we can go. Make it to Birmingham, spend the night, and then drive the rest of the way just to be with family. And it's awful. But God wasn't done with us, Right? And we knew that. And so we get back here, we're here a few days with family, and then Ash and I come back this way, kind of getting ready to find some footing again. And then I get to call my mom's going into the hospital. And this time it's really serious. And so I drive down to Arlington. And then that day they say, she's gonna have to go into hospice. The meds aren't working. The cancer meds are not helping anymore. Now here's the thing about my mom. She was diagnosed with a rare bone cancer in 2008 and they told her most myelofibrosis patients live three to five years. And my mom lived for 14 years with it, right? (laughs) And so the hospice manager calls us in and says, we just want to be honest with you. Um, When we take your mom off of all the other medications, she probably won't last two or three days. 11 days later, that's my mom. And I spent almost every night in that hospice room with my mom. Spent the night overnight just to be there. And the way we got to finish was just the way she started with me. Just me in that hospice room with her as her body said we're done here. No more shackles, no more cancer, no more pain, no more discomfort, no more fear, set free in the presence and the arms of Jesus with my dad, right? Hallelujah. It was awesome and beautiful and terrible at the same time. You don't know this, but last week when Gary and Dana, Ashley's parents were here with us, Talk less, pray more. Gary had a stroke Saturday night. Didn't know it. He came up on this stage and gave you all he had out of devotion to the Father. And they stood up here and they encouraged us to talk less, to pray more. And he went home and found out you had a stroke. So when I was helping him up and down the stairs last week, that's not Gary. His body was like, ah. And a lot of fear. What does this mean for my dad? I'm only telling you some of those details to say this. When we decided to follow Jesus with our lives and to not be confused by the pattern of death and cancer. To not be conformed by the pattern of fear and doubt. To not be a prisoner to what the world brings to the table, but instead choose to walk with God and trust Him and to believe in Him and to be transformed by the renewing of our minds by Jesus, not our circumstance. It was then and only then that we were able to see what is acceptable and perfect. God's will, not my will, but your will. Is that good? This is why as hard as it is, it's so good for you and me to be a part of the body of Christ and to walk together. Our hearts We're sustained in no small part by your prayerfulness, your encouragement, your kindness, caring for us. We felt your love. I'll say this. We don't ever want to do February again, but we wouldn't trade it for the world. You don't ever want to walk through the pain and the loss you've been through but if your eyes are fixed on Jesus, on what is acceptable and what is perfect, you wouldn't trade that for the world. That's what ministry is. Ministry and mission are not the same thing. The purpose of God to tell the world about Jesus is not the same as ministry. Ministry is what we as a body do for each other as children of God, to spur one another on to love and good deeds, Hebrews 10. So when we say ministries, when we talk about ministry, it's not just important, it's vital to the body. Verse three. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now this sounds like a warning against pride. But you, you may know this, you have to hear this. The root of pride or haughtiness or spiritual arrogance is not is not just how good you are. It's rooted in the deep insecurity that you're never going to be enough. And so we put on a front that we are good or that we have figured it out or that we are better than the people who do other bad things, not as bad as the things we do. And it's all rooted in the reality that we live with this constant fear that we are not good enough. So when we get this admonition, not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought, but with sober judgment, it means our feet are grounded in the reality that Jesus Christ did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. It means that Jesus Christ has made us holy and acceptable. You don't study your Bible enough. You don't pray enough. You don't sing enough worship songs. You don't treat people with goodness or kindness or give enough money to ever satisfy the heart of God. Never enough. Only John 15, when we abide in Christ, he is the vine. We are the branches. Everything good in us comes from him. Each one of us has been given a measure of faith. You know what that means? It means, do you believe that? Do you really trust that God has done this thing in you that you cannot do for yourself? Let me tell you why that's important. Let's keep going. Four, as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We are a part of a bigger body. The big C church. We are a part of the body of Christ. And the one another part can be all the other things that you think you belong to. The river. The Brandviks, The Low Finks, the Kiwanis Club, whatever that is, right? (laughs) To your track team, to your kids' soccer club. You're a part of all these other things for a much bigger purpose. It's because you're a part of the body of Christ and God wants to use you and filter through you and to prepare you and to transform your mind so that you can take what God has given and pour it into all these other little bodies you're a part of. We're a part of this so that we can be a part of this and ultimately point them to this. good stuff, right? We're a part of that body for a specific reason. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us use the gifts that God has given to us to do what? First Peter 4.10 says that each one of us has been given gifts to faithfully serve God and administer His grace in its various forms. Ephesians 4 says, speaking words of truth and love, speaking words of truth, we are to grow up into Him who is the head, into Christ Jesus. We have have been made a part of this. We've been given gifts. And we're going to talk more very soon about the gifts of the Spirit and what that looks like. We're going to talk about how we utilize what God has put in us to administer grace. We're going to get there. But for today, here's what I want you to hear. If your gift is prophecy, then do it in proportion to your faith. I'm only gonna say this about one of these gifts and we're gonna get into more of all the others later. If you sense or feel or believe you have a gift of prophecy, you have prophetic word for people, we do that in truth. We do that speaking the truth in love, not just to encourage people to keep going, that's good. We also utilize that gift if we have the gift of prophecy to spur others on to love and good deeds. And that means sometimes we say, God's got a great plan for your life and that's good. And then sometimes we say, you have a part of your life that you need to lay down before the Lord. You need to confess a sin. You need to leave that relationship. You need to choose a different pattern for your life because God wants to do something in you that is transforming, not conforming, because he wants to use you to administer grace in its various forms for others. It's time to repent. And time to see God. And enjoy God. And breathe and live in His fullness. And walk in a new way of life. They're both 100% of God. And important for the body. And for you. If it is service, and are serving the one who teaches ministry. We are part of this together. But you're not just serving Me, as a pastor, you're serving Jesus who spoke the very word of life that we administer with grace to others. We serve out of an abundance of His joy. (laughs) To the one who exhorts in His exhortation. You know what the word exhort means? Means to encourage. We exhort others out of an encouragement to keep them moving. When you speak words of life into people, you challenge and encourage them to go one step closer to Jesus. You don't have to fix everything today, but I want to encourage you to keep going. God's not done with you. Keep going. God has more for you. Keep going when you take your eyes off of yourself and your struggles and your hurt and your worry and your doubt and your pain and your fear. You start to see God for who he is and you take his hand and he takes you to a place that you never could have gotten on your own. Yeah, that's, right. that's when we get called to lay it down before God. Lay it down. Why? Because your pain has become an idol. Because your fear has become an idol. Because your doubt has become an idol. Why? Because now you're focused on your circumstance and you can't see the Christ. That's why we encourage. To the one who contributes in generosity. If God's given you a a gift of giving, you do it with generosity. We don't just give to need, hear me very carefully. We don't give to need, we give to vision. And the vision of God is that all people come to know Him. And sometimes people have those barriers in their life that we contribute to and we meet physical needs for them just like Jesus did in Galilee, in Samaria, Just like Jesus did in Jerusalem, he met a physical need so that God could set people free for a spiritual vision. Rise and walk. Go and tell. Or, open your eyes and see. Don't tell what has happened to you here today. That's a confusing part of the gospels, isn't it? Why wouldn't he want people to hear and know and see and tell? Because God wanted to be evidenced through the transformation of a person's life. And as they raise questions and they wonder, how did that happen? Did that happen at the pool of Bethesda? No, he was set free by the Messiah. And as their eyes got opened, they began to see there's a bigger thing happening here than just a miracle worker walking the streets of Galilee. He is the one. Then their eyes were really opened. Now it's bigger than the circumstance. You with me? Woohoo, this is good. To the one who leads with zeal if you believe God has put you in this place, in the river, on this earth, to be one who leads others, zeal is not just excitement. Zeal is not authority. Zeal is purpose. God has made you a leader so that others might see how good God is. And so, our pastors, and our ministry leaders here at the church. We can't just be good. We have to be submissive. We can't just be organized. We have to be joyful, set apart. We lead out of excellence, with privilege, and great responsibility. And we need your prayer. But not just the elders and not just the pastors, but you, because you have heard. Now you've heard. Now give it back. Lay it at his feet and let your zeal be fueled by the Spirit of God. to the one who does acts of mercy. Do it with cheerfulness. We have some people in this church that really care about other people. And I'm super excited about Tammy Wendell. And she's going to be putting together... T- I'm put you on the spot. I'm sorry, Tammy. She's going to be putting together a little team of people. And it's going to be a care ministry where we do a variety of things where we follow through when people say, I have a need, where we follow through when people come into this place and they, and they say, I'm gonna try this out. And Tammy and her team are gonna say, we hope you enjoyed it, but more importantly, we hope you'll come join us for what God wants to do through us. Here's what I know and I believe with all my heart. God will grow this thing beyond what you and I could even expect or imagine. When we follow through and we do our part, when people are missing, when they're absent, when they're sick, when they have a reason why they can't come back into presence of God because they don't feel holy and they don't feel acceptable and they don't feel like they belong here, we're going to have a team that goes out and finds those people and says, you are loved and you are wanted. You shouldn't just be here. You should belong here. (laughs) God's up to something. God's doing something. I don't know what it is. And I've had pastors and friends who I've heard even say the words, God is up to something. And that is benign. But here, I say this with accountability and may God strike me down if it's not true. God is up to something here he's moving among us. And this morning is gonna be an important part of that. So as the part of one body, as a people who have brought some stuff into this room that is unholy and unacceptable, this is our moment to make that right. Not later. Not when you're participating in 40 days of prayer and fasting. Now, God wants you to come and to lay down the unholy and the unacceptable parts of your life and to worship Him in spirit and in truth. So here's what's about to happen. The worship team is going to come up here. And we're going to prepare our hearts to take the body of Christ broken, crushed, bruised, shattered by men and before men. All for you and me to step freely and unconditionally into the presence of God through the person of Jesus. That's why he gave it all up. And when his body was crushed and ripped apart, his blood poured out. Not as a demonstration of his pain and suffering, but as a washing Force that washed away every part of you that was not worthy to be in the presence of God the Father. We drink this and we eat this in remembrance of what Jesus did for us. But we have a word of caution in 1 Corinthians 11 that tells us not to do this in an unworthy manner. Don't just come do this because everybody else around you is doing it. Don't just come do this because we do it once a month and it feels good. But let Jesus Christ step into your life and make the unholy parts holy. Let Jesus Christ speak and breathe into your life and make the unacceptable part of you acceptable. Not because you're worthy, but because he was. So I want to invite you, maybe even to come here and lay your stuff before the Lord. If you want to stay in your chair, that's good too. God is there with you. 1 John nine says, if you confess your sin, watch this, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from the unrighteousness. And when the unrighteousness is gone, guess what? We are holy and acceptable and we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's what communion is about. So I want to invite you to prepare your hearts for that. I want to invite some of you to come to this altar and lay it before the Lord. I want to invite every one of us to put our lives on the line before Jesus and say, God, make me righteous before you. And then you as an individual, as your family, then taste of the body, taste of the blood, and remember Jesus Christ is the one who made it possible. I'm gonna pray a word out loud and then I want you to come or stay, but you lay it before Jesus. God, in this moment, I know that there are people in this room who think I am not okay. God, none of us are. But you are. And not only are you okay, You have crushed the head of the enemy who meant evil over our lives. And you allowed it for good so that we could be in a place in our lives, God, I believe this with all my heart, where we had to depend on you. Only you could help us, complete us, make us right with you. Thank you, Jesus, for making that possible. Thank you, Jesus, for clearing the path of our lives and getting us through that narrow gate. Thank you, Jesus, for ushering us into the presence of God Almighty. Only you could do that. God, set us free this morning. I pray there is repentance and confession and forgiveness in this room this morning. And receive it as a choir of hope and restoration. And do something in us that we cannot do ourselves. God, we love you. In the name of Jesus.
0: And that's this week's message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you would like to join our online campus, and experience the service as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing and blessed week.